This is the Epilogue Audio Experience. Hi, I'm Bhavna Sumaya on Epilogue Media. Welcome to my podcast show, Meri Kahani, the third season of the show called Game Changers. This series involves players who have seriously changed the business of entertainment and so we feature chairmen, CEOs and big executives in the media entertainment. My today's guest is a very special personality. 7 years in TV, 8 years in print, 10 years in radio, 3 years in digital space, that too across India, China and South Asia. Currently CEO RBNL that is Reliance Broadcast Network Limited meet the ponytail and one and only Abraham Thomas Thank you so much thanks for the uh, invite and it's an honor and a pleasure to actually sit with you I've been your admirer since the last two decades so it's really an honor to be here Fabulous So how did the game all begin because uh, were your parents like the rest of the parents who wanted you to become an engineer or a doctor and uh, you decided to take a different path yes actually uh, none of this is really planned uh, let me start at the beginning i am the only child right of my parents so their life practically revolved around me and uh, i must confess that i had to lead double life so there was one life that i dealt in front of them or what they knew of me and whatever i needed to do i had to do it at the sly so it was an interesting thing and as then it was always engineering a doctor a doctor that he should do i was a reasonably good student but then i missed you the, grew up in bombay i grew up in bombay educated in bombay all my life i've lived in bombay okay and uh, i missed my dentistry admission by one mark mm mm-hmm. right and so the next best thing was available because an uncle of mine was working in pharmaceutical saying why don't you apply for b farm i said okay i got admission into b farm and then i started doing b farm i don't know why i did it the only thing i gained in those 3 years was i made some really good friends but beyond that it was really tough they made a slog uh, because lots of chemistry and bi- biology and anatomy and all of that and uh, after that i actually worked for one year in a pharmaceutical company hindustan sibagegi that helped me make my mindset manufacturing is not for me i can't get closeted into a 7 to 3 those were good days though because just out of college i used to uh, so this is after graduation after my after my b farm okay and uh, i used to manage to manage my boss so that i'd get the first shift so i'd do 7 to 3 at 245 year old ready to punch out the card at the factory step out out of college you now got money so life was good but within about 9 months i realized this is not what i want to do this is not what i'm uh, cut out for and then i tried uh, to change my line i actually started applying for my mba uh, fortunately i got admission into my uh, mba and when, since then i've not looked at pharma after that so two years of uh, mba did a lot for me and uh, post mba i got placed from campus as a management trainee in garware paints okay so i started my career in garware paints i was a uh, management trainee but they put me into sales straight away so i was selling paints in the bombay market 
one of the toughest markets. Uh, so from pharmaceutical, you went straight to sales and you're selling paints. I was selling paints. And what made you think that you have the expertise for it? Or what made the boss think that you had the expertise? Actually, they all felt that, and which is so true, that if you really want to get to the top, you need to get your hands dirty. You have to pound the streets and go and sell. And some amazing learnings, which even today are useful for me. So I remember we had this really... The biggest paint dealer uh, store. So first week, uh, my area manager took me there saying, let's go meet him. And he said, it's up to you. You got to, you can win him over or not. So simple thing. So he'll ask you for, uh, he won't even ask you. He'll order for chai. So if you make a fuss and say, no, no, I won't have chai. He'll say, okay, coffee. He'll say, no, no, I'm fine. I just had something. Then he'll say, okay, soft drink. And for him, then, you know, when somebody was sitting in an air-conditioned office who doesn't know the reality. So my area manager warned me. So sure enough, and I don't, as a person, I don't drink tea. I came in and before we realized, a chai came in. So I took the chai cup and saucer, poured half into the saucer. Someone who doesn't drink chai gave him the cup. I drank from the saucer. But I want to stop you here. You did this saucer drinking like Amitabh Bachchan in Shole <laughs> uh, for effect, for winning him over? For winning him over. Because he was the biggest dealer. He could make... And, and you thought of it that on the spur uh, of the that's moment. And you know what happened next? He said, come, come. And he got me to sit on the galla. Because that's the ultimate trust. Otherwise, you're standing and talking and he's saying, AC officer, koi sabaya tips. So next thing I was sitting on the galla, we're having a conversation, customers are coming, I'm taking the money, putting it back. So I had established, connect with him in that first 15 minutes because of this uh, chai incident. So sales was an amazing kind of experience because what it teaches you about your customer and how to kind of establish a connect with the, with the trade. And... Uh, through my life, so I've taken these chances. Now, like I said, nothing has been planned. And then out of the blue, in six months of doing that, I get a call from head office that uh, Mr. Garwari's son was returning from the US after his MBA and he was looking at an executive assistant. Okay. So would you like to come on? So I asked a couple of professors and friends saying, what do you think? And they all said, no, no, you get your uh, experience right before you jump into something. But something told me, no, this can be interesting. So I said, okay, I took it up. When you're making important decisions like this and you consulted a few people, how finally do you take a decision? Do you discuss it with parents, your some soulmate, a girlfriend? I'm very fortunate. I have a bunch of really good, really close friends and very few of them, five or six of them, who've been with me through my life, right? And so they, some of them always come up with with a solution. Finally, I take that call, which is based on gut and what, uh, you know, the, the rational decision should be. So I said yes to this. And then suddenly in six months, I was executive assistant to the executive director. Now, the good thing was he was also learning the business. And within six months, I learned the complete operations, right? From materials management to sales, to purchase, to marketing, to stock taking, to the works. In six months, I was like ready to kind of, you know, look at the whole Conquer. thing. The good thing then was that he then decided to get into a project of his own. So I, he, we went into retailing. We just started setting up supermarkets in Bombay. And this is probably the first supermarket. This was around which time? Which 1980. I thought right? so. It would yeah, be This was yeah. Garware Supermarket at Tirupati Apartments. We opened it and I was the project head. I was sent there as saying, you're VP operations. So one year out of college, and I've got a card that says VP operations of Garware Supermarket. And again, there it was an amazing experience because it was uh, 
it is uh, it was a seven days a week, seven a.m. to eleven p.m. And I would practically end up working you know, seven a.m. I'd come and open the store and all of that. And you very quickly realize that retail is not what you see. Retail is how much business you can generate per square feet because the most expensive. Uh, cost in your entire business line is the real estate. So if you're saying, if a particular, uh, you don't have space for storage. So if you should ideally manage your inventory with just the shelf space that you can get. So a Colgate dental cream would have three rows. Uh, lesser selling toothpaste will have one row. But then you'll say, I'll manage in this and the rest, the indica- uh, uh, you get the dealer to service you. Because having to store that in your go-down is, again, cost, right? So it's it's basically inventory management. If, and if you can figure out revenue per unit per square inch, you'll, you'll make money. So who makes these decisions? You so I, I was thrown into this, so I learned it that way, saying, you know, this is the uh, revenue you're generating. There's so much of stock which is not moving at all. And there is somebody will come and sell you a great deal of a product that doesn't move. Mm-hmm. And you'll fall for the deal and you realize the product is moving and I've occupied so much of space. So trial and error, made our mistakes and and uh, learned it. I then realized that I was becoming a store manager. Because at that time in 89, 90, we thought retailing is coming into um, India. So it's the early time. So let's get in and all that. It, retailing came in maybe uh, 10 years later. So which is when I decided that I need to get back into mainstream. Which is when I joined the Indian Express. They, uh, How did the offer for Indian Express come? Actually, I have a dear friend and a classmate who was uh, with the Indian Express, uh, George Vergis. Okay. So, so George was joining and George was moving to Bombay. Okay. So he said, why don't you come and join me? And I kind of moved up with him. And okay. the next eight years, I was in Indian Express, started as a brand manager. Then he made me head of uh, circulation and uh, distribution. That's so a I used powerful to, post. And I used to go five o'clock in the morning to the Dadar depot to see how move. A lot of learning there again in terms of price elasticity. How do you increase copies? How does it work? So from there, I moved into ad sales. So I did product management, distribution, and then uh, sales. And you got a bachelor or you had got married by then? I was. Seeing I got married in 92. So yeah, I got married when I was at and it was an express and uh, it was an amazing experience because the biggest learning was also to be able to deal and manage editors right really intellectuals I remember Dr. Tikeger was a treat you go and sit with him for one hour you learn so much but complete intellectual you know and he would at the same time I have to tell him that he would morning call and say Abe did you read my uh, editorial Editorial. today Marathi (laughs) I I said, no, so I got somebody to explain it to me. Oh, brilliant. The you know, city is talking about it. So I said, tell him, sir, how many phone calls did you get? I got at least three phone calls in the body. I mm-hmm. said, sir, we sell over two lakh copies. So, you know, that may not be the right feedback for people yeah. who actually pick up the, take the effort to call you and tell you. Those may be intellectuals of right. a different sort, but you need to look at feedback from this. So managing these really intellectual editors was a completely different experience and it took a lot of and it was very enriching because you'd hear concepts and thoughts from them which otherwise you would not right and which is probably what inclined pushed me towards reading non-fiction had to read to just keep up so that I can have a conversation to prepare for a meeting because you realize especially when you're in sales you remember you realize that I'll play on the front foot throw me a question and I'll I'll play for it and then you realize that you don't always have that. Sometimes you might say something very superficial. So then I realized that for every meeting, I would prepare. So even today, when I'm going for a meeting, 
I'll take 10 minutes before the meeting saying, what is this meeting about? What is the agenda? And right now I say, where do I want this meeting to go? So I would prepare, gather my thoughts so that I'm able to contribute. This is a fabulous thing. You see, the youngsters today don't realize this. To say that every meeting calls for a preparation Absolutely. to have, to know where the meeting is heading. Because otherwise, you think you're Virendra Sehwag. You say, let him pitch the ball, I'll whack it. Right? But you can't sometimes because you don't know enough or, or whatever. The moment you prepare, then you make sure that the meeting doesn't go uh, steer off course. You say, okay, this is where I want to take it. Hmm. So then I will input at regular in, uh, intervals to get that done. But then nothing like prep. So I worked with some amazing bosses through my career. And uh, Express was one of my, is my alma mater. It's a place which actually nurtured me. So when there's a tough decision to take, I would go to George and say, George, I have to do this. So his line would be, this is your father's company. You decide. So it was it was scary saying, shit, if it was your decision, I would have taken a decision. But now it's my decision. And it's like, so they actually nurtured you, created empowerment, ownership. So it's it's it was mine, you know, and that's what they did. So, you know, it is also because Indian Express is not just a newspaper. It is an ideology. Absolutely. And anybody who belongs to Indian Express is a different school and a different uh, character altogether. Absolutely. Yeah. Even today, I'm very close to the family and to George and all of that. There's a certain warmth there because they were so nurturing. I think that they had more confidence in me than what I had in myself. Hmm. Right? And no, of course you can do it. Oh, you can do it. So I remember the Screen Awards. The first five years of Screen Awards, I I was handling. And what was I handling? First year I was handling parking. So This was in which year? This was, I think, 97. When we did it at Film City. On the helipad on top. Yes, so I know. So parking on that night was my, my responsibility. But it so is a nightmare. Oh, complete nightmare. And we were not prepared for it. See, we for us, when we did the whole event, it was not a TV show. We didn't understand TV then. We thought it was a show for the people who come there. So we had to make that a perfect experience. And then net result, the first two years, second year we did it at the Joe Flying Club. Mm. The first two years, the TV product was really bad. Mm. Because nobody focused on the production of it. Everybody was focusing on making sure the event works like uh, clockwork. Then we moved to the Andheri Sports Complex for a few years and all that. So amazing learning and one of the most nurturing bosses and nurturing uh, environment that I uh, got there. It still plays an important uh, role in my life. Then I got a chance to join television. So I joined uh, Sony in the year 2000. Again, as head of sales for the network. So from print... Uh, when I left Indian Express, I was all India head of sales. I was like a 400 member team across all the country and all of that. And then I moved to uh, Sony Entertainment into television. How did the offer for Sony come and what made you think that from print to television, you were equipped to make a transit? Actually, here again, you were had... Were there any anxieties in your... Oh, oh, there was, because it's a completely different culture, different... Uh, just the medium itself is, is so different, right? And this was pure entertainment. This was more purpose and all of that. So, I had then decided, I have been through this, I've done eight years, I need to explore something more. So, when they called and the meeting happened and I remember meeting uh, Kakon, was my boss, she hired me and then... Uh, I, made, I remember meeting Kunal. Then I worked with Kunal closely for... Uh, Kunal three, Das Gupta. Yes. Amazing personality and very endearing, very lovable, very uh, great human being. But the word to uh, describe is probably maverick. 
he's continuously thinking of new things and for him the word was leapfrog he's not wanting to go this i'm going to do this and leapfrog right to the top and so whether it is the ipl whether it is a lot of shows that we actually did during that time it came from this whole thing of saying let me disrupt let me do something completely never done in entertainment and move forward so that was another great learning from uh, sony in terms of the uh disruption that you have to think you know out of the box to be able to break out then i actually got uh, i moved to mtv so i did plus 3 years at mtv again fully international organization structured and processes then while mtv appears a lot of fun it's one of the most ruthlessly business organization that you can find they are so particular about everything so every and this was a regional play then it hadn't become an india operation so we used to report into singapore for 50 out of the 52 monday mornings at 8 am there used to be a video conference from office and all of us had to get to office by 8 am for 50 out of the 52 weeks and they would conduct a meeting in 55 minutes and he would have uh, frank brown was the head of asia pack frank would have some six meetings back to back and he'll finish all of them in 55 minutes more to the next 55 minutes more to the next everything was like formatted and stuff so you just had to speak to your point or it gets slapped at the call you just say what you're asked and move on and clockwork so amazing so amazing process but what mtv really taught me was the whole presentation like great ideas people don't realize if the presentation is not right so even as a brand we occupied a lot more space in the public eye than what we deserved because if we were we were blamed for the corrupting the mtv generation to the kind of impact to the youth icons and all of that so big learning for me was the value of the brand it's all about the brand it's all about the packaging it's not all about it but it's it's as much as about the packaging as as but at the core you're gathering so many influences from the kind of jobs you're doing and they're all of a different kind how were you changing and were you uh, consciously adapting to your new environment or was it happening organically were I, you taking it just like a fish to water or was it an adventure trip for you it was an adventure there was a huge culture shock for me when i moved from print to television and then from t- uh, television both of them were international companies from that international environment and then i moved into an indian environment i worked with owner managers at three four of my jobs i worked with uh, professional global managers as well so it's a lot of learning and each of those experiences i believe have shaped me in some part so whether it's the empowering nurturing at the indian express whether it is the uh, maverick and the thinking big and disruption at sony whether it is the packaging and the presentation at mtv till i moved to red fm so that is my first radio uh, assignment at that time so again that first um, 12 years of my career so radio revolution happened in uh, i think uh, around 2000 yeah so i got in in 2005 phase 2 phase 1 had had rolled out i got in phase phase 2 again one of the reasons why i moved was in the first 12 years of my career every 3 months i'd get a call from a headhunter or from someone saying you know what there's something interesting here would you be interested would you be interested and then you realize that as you hit the late 30s and get to 40s they're looking at hiring 30 year old uh, head of sales they're looking at hiring old uh, old head of sales so i also felt that while i needed to do sales i need to now move to general management and red fm gave me that option okay um mr arun puri hired me 
uh, it was run by the India Today group and uh, I still remember the first discussion he wanted me to move to Delhi and I've always been in Bombay. Mm. So I told him, look, this is an entertainment play. You can't be based in Delhi and run an entertainment uh, network. You have to be based in Bombay. So he agreed. And he's an amazing man. So he, what the clear learning I'd read, other than what I, or what all I did, was the fact that for him, it's all about the product. He says, all this faff around it, I don't understand. You build a great product, that's your brand. And that's what he's built. Whether it's India Today, whether it's Archtak, it's about the quality of that product. So from... Brand and packaging, I said, wow, the, the core is the product. The product is what finally will define define your brand. And he subsequently exited and sold it to a consortium of Astro and NDTV and all that. So I briefly uh, interacted with Pranay at that time. And then I worked with Astro for the next uh, four years with them. It's an amazing ride because they were international radio players. They were very big in radio in, in Malaysia. So they knew the formats. They knew all the internet. So all that learning came in naturally to me. And then it was also about adapting that for the Indian conditions. A lot of uh, in initial radio, all of them had international consultants. And most of them just took that and kind of put it here. And I said, look, this won't work here. You'll have to get into, make it in, Indianize it and all that. So great learning. We kind of created the whole tagline around we relaunched actually when I went in one of the first meetings I attended Mr. Puri was there was the team then and some consultants had cons uh, convinced him that he needs to change the brand name saying oh you know the market leader was Radio Mirchi the red is too similar to Mirchi so we're not getting notice let's change the name so I went into a meeting where the consultant is actually presenting name options so I said excuse me what is this about so they said no no they are so if he said uh, they all say, uh, saying we should change the brand name so I said, why? You've already done, I've built awareness to some extent. You've not done anything wrong. There's no negative associated with it. Finally, it's what you do with it that people will talk about. So he jumped at the idea because he was feeling very bad to having let go of uh, three, four years of effort. And then Bajatero happened. So this is again an entire team um, exercise. And... Uh, that completely changed the game for Red. From, a, from number five, number six, we went to uh, number one in like, like a year's time. You have worked at Grassroots, you have worked with um, middle income group and you have worked on the top. You worked with team and you also uh, flown solo. How do you think you are best at when you're working alone like a lieutenant or, or when it is all a teamwork? I'm a completely team person. Every place, and I've now worked with four radio networks, every place, it's the team that's come comes up with the idea. I'm more an enabler. See, one of the, like, CEOs, you kind of can bracket them into what. So I'm, I was a sales guy, right? So I, the biggest strength I bring to the table is an understanding of monetization. So when I listen to a content or an idea, I say, you know what? This can be sold to this client. So you get that immediate fit saying this is sellable. So monetizing of creative is what I bring in. And I really empower the team and they come up with these great ideas. And I've over time really tried to identify some of these ideas and say, you know what, this has got potential. Let's blow this out, right? Rather than, so I don't believe any smart idea originates from me. It's always that spark comes from the team. So I'm very collaborative. I don't believe in walls between functions. I make a conscious effort to destroy any walls that exist and get programming and marketing and sales and HR to actually work together to uh, create uh, something. Another thing that comes to my mind is that always uh, somebody else saw a spark in you 
and picked you up and put you in another place. And you went by your instinct and played along and won and conquered. How uh, good is your hunch when you are hunting for a team or selecting a team? You think you're a good team builder? <laughs> That's an interesting question. See, I have a kind of a thumb rule, which is that when I join a new place, I will not bring any of my old people there. I, I I will work with the existing. I mean, in every so the typical worry when you leave is associated. You know, he'll uh, poach and he'll take people from me. I've never done that. And I consciously tell them also. Look, I'm going to work with this team now. Now this is my team. We'll see. Then along the way, you'll get weeded out. Some new people will come, and that might happen. But it's always the team. And I don't believe there is any team that's brilliant or uh, really bad. It's it's about how you enable and how you get the whole team dynamics going. So I'm a complete team guy. I've never moved. With a team, hmm. you know, and obviously when you go, you get a lot of phone calls from saying if you have anything interesting. I'm saying <laughs> I'm not looking at that because this team exists, and you know, I believe that with the right spark and the right environment, you can get this team to start. No, and it is always better to go without baggage and uh, allow new resources to get into you. Absolutely. Yes. So then, where were we in your so, story? So I was at Red FM. And five great years. We moved the whole dial. We were three stations. In short, sabki bajadi. Absolutely, and it is, yeah. and that brand, even today, is a really vibrant brand because it just sustained through mm-hmm. changing eras and changing uh, uh, time. That brand has evolved and sustained. So it's a great. I mean, I just love that five years that I spent there. Worked with some amazing talent across the country. And it also became a talent magnet of sorts because people would want to be associated with the brand uh, like uh, that stood for Bajate Ro. So I've had a lot of filmy influence. Do you watch a lot of movies? I watch a lot of content. When do you watch movies? Because you're working whole week. On Friday nights, I go to the theater. Typically, once a week, I'm catching a movie in a theater. Plus, there's a lot of OTD movies that uh, yes. come on. So a lot of content. And films have always had a huge. Uh, influence on me and the way I think and all that. So, for example, when I was crafting different radio brands, and then this was way back in 2005, and I think it's valid even today. For me, Radio Marchi was a leader. Uh, they built an amazing brand, and the I believe media brands specifically have a persona. Correct. For me, Radio Marchi is Rahul from DDLJ. Okay. International, stylish, Indian. Calls his father pops, huh? but very Indian and rooted. So amazing brand, and they've kind of stuck to that imagery. And I don't know if they consciously do it, but that's what that has evolved. So when we were crafting the strategy for Red FM, we said, "How? Do, what do we do now?" Okay. So we said, "Let's make this Bhuvang from Lagan." Wow. Grounded Indian, willing to take on the establishment. Wow. So that's how that persona actually kind of. Uh, uh, what both. a super simile! And uh, subsequently, when I went to uh, Radio City, there again they had a great brand, they had a great, great business. So the whole insight that I worked on there again, it came from the team was that MS Dhoni is considered more Chennai than Jharkhand because of the IPL. So there is an immense pride associated for your city. So even when you see. Malinga bowl in an international thing. You're rooting for him because for you he's Mumbai, right? Pollard is Mumbai, so there is a immense passion and pride associated with that 
thing. And it is not necessarily linked to where they were born or not, right? So Dhoni and Pollard are great examples of people who come outside and the city has just completely welcomed them. Embraced them. them. So that's how with the agency and with the team, the line came up saying, Rag Rag Mein Daudi City. And we said Rag Rag Mein Mumbai City, Rag Rag Mein Delhi City. And work, build the whole brand around city passion. Right? So I've I actually moved in and I'll just complete the story with uh, Big FM. When we came, when I came in here, they had lived with this Suno Suno life for now for a long time. And we said, one thing that really hit me is that radio and radio talent have got huge trust and credibility. They, they're probably more respected and more believed than even TV personalities. Because mm-hmm. radio has by and large behaved themselves. So you trust your morning jock, right? So there's a, that puts a lot of responsibility on us. Then we said, if we have this kind of responsibility, we must play a larger role in society, right? Not just stick to entertainment. Entertainment, we all do. So which is when we said, we have the power to inspire people's thoughts. So let's be thought inspirers. And that was the genesis of Dun Badal Ke To Deko. Magar isme persona kiska hai, star? So we said, who are these people who break stereotypes? And that's how we zeroed in on Vidya Balan. And we did a show, Dun Badal Ke To Deko, because she's broken every stereotype you can imagine. Wow. So, so this is the film influence on my brand story. And I'm a big lover of brands. So while initially I must have been a sales CEO, I'm now very clearly a product of brand CEO because I think that helps you monetize. But you know, this is amazing. You have given me a magic wand because after this, I will never look at uh, Big FM without thinking of Vidya Balan. And also, this is a perfect way of making your decisions about how you are moving in life to constantly back check. That's right. So, I have this theory. See, brands, I believe, have two objectives. Like any brand has to deliver growth. And there's a brand for growth and brand for good. A brand has to play a larger role in good for the society. A lot of brand managers and marketing heads are responsible for not taking that accountability for growth. Mm. So with the rest of the organization in a lot of places think that, oh, these guys make ad films and they go for photo shoots and whatever else. And they win awards and they party. Mm. So which is when, when there's a crunch, the first thing to cut is ad budgets. Because mm. this is a luxury we can now not afford, right? So it is unless if you're building a brand and if your sales volume doesn't go up or your yields don't go up or it doesn't do something for your business, it's a waste. You can win all the awards you want, but it has to work for the thing. So if brand and as a brand person, I always take owners saying we'll do this and I'm we will target a 25% increase in our rates because mm. now there's a certain bigness associated with um, a big FM, they're like about Dun Badal Ke To Deko. So they're trying to do causes. And we've done such a lot of cause-related campaigns in the last one year because people are slowly identifying, saying, you know what, these guys are a good, because this is their own 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 positioning. Mm. So brand for growth, if a, you build a brand, if it's not delivering growth, it's of no use. And brands for good. It has to do a larger, have a larger purpose in uh, society. And tr- trust me, even the millennials and the Gen Z who are now joining the workforce, for them, this is even more important. If the company that they work for doesn't have a larger purpose, they lose interest. For them, it's just another transactional thing. So moment you say this company is trying to do something for the better of society, whether it is environmental sustainability, whether it's gender diversity, whether it's whatever, then they see there is a purpose behind what I'm doing. 
So considering you were already there at two radio stations and you come now to the third, which is very good for the present radio station because you bring this experience and your skill to it. But how is it a high for you? <laughs> so be, being a, see, for me, I love brands. And I, if I can see the brand taking on multiple legs and it's a, it, it's a, that, that is one high. Second is the biggest challenge is for people like me is to stay relevant. Like I come from no television to black and white television to color television to 900 TVs to multiple screens to OTD channels and all of that, right? And I'm forever struggling to stay on top. Because for the current generation, it comes naturally. Here, I have to make that effort to get onto social media. I have to get, make, get that, make that effort to understand. Are you active on the social media? I am and I'm not. Because the moment I get into a corporate role, then I kind of restrict it to corporate uh, things only. And when I was like, there was in between three years digital, I was on my own. I was very active then. Because then it was my own. I would you know, do yeah. that. So the, the other high is being able to ride this disruption. The way mm -hmm. things are changing and the, how fast it's changing. The perception of radio as a medium is changing. And if you are able to not foresee it and prepare your organization for that, you'll die. I mean, mm -hmm. it is not something that mm -hmm. you can even afford to. So that's the bigger challenge to staying staying relevant. Mm -hmm. My, again, uh, inspiration in, there, in this is Mr. Bachchan. Mm -hmm. from angry young man to being God that I'll help you make your life and I'll give you guys money at, in KBC yes. to becoming a spokesperson for so, no means no, right? Mm -hmm. So that's how his brand, I, I see him as evolved. And look at him, how he's reinvented himself. He's chronicled every social media post of his. He's as current as anyone else at, at that age. So Better an than any youngster. Better than any youngster. So that's yes. an inspiration. How can I stay relevant because that is the, that is the challenge because it's what worked in 2005 and what worked in 2010 will not work in 2020 mm. and what is the next change mm. I clearly see radio moving towards more audio there is there's a lot of radio growing across all the uh, tier 2 tier 3 tier 4 markets so even in this slow time um, those markets are really booming because they're adapting radio radio is new there and stuff like that Second thing is the role of radio is not get, clearly understood because it can create no director, Hollywood or Bollywood, can create the kind of imagery in your mind that sound can, that radio can. So I'm a complete audiophile despite spending uh, as much time in print and uh, television. Because so much is left to imagination. Absolutely. And that power, that power of uh, the theatre of the mind, that power of radio is... I don't think any other medium can even get close to that because otherwise you're seeing a director's perspective of the of the of the story. At best, some of the more evolved directors you might see one more layer below it. But here, every individual has, can have diff completely different thoughts from a sound that the person is living. So yes, it's extremely and specific personalities, specific voices, oh, and creates... specific audience. For example, you'll be very surprised uh, when I'm traveling, and I suppose I'm taking a taxi. It's always uh, the taxi person who, when I'm talking on the phone, turns behind and he says, Aapto wo radio wali hai. Hum aapka program sunte hai. Because they're driving all the time. So those that sound can, you know, tickle so much in your imagination. that. So I believe, I also think I have a, I'm probably sticking my neck out and making a prediction here. See, the, yeah. there's some great video content getting created right now. These are best enjoyed on the large screen, hmm. right? If you can through OTT watch it on a screen at home mm. 
it's a completely different experience than watching it on the go so i believe from a convenience point of view on the go audio is what you should listen on the go if you start watching videos you'll end up with spondylitis and you have people with great necks and arms paining because it's not really convenient for on the go content yes so i'm very optimistic that radio scope is actually going to grow with more and more people now getting to and what do you feel about the podcasts oh it's a it's a really fascinating thing and i've gotten hooked on to podcasts uh, pretty recently and then i find i can sit back in my car i have a one hour drive home i can sit back in my car i can laugh i can enjoy with no uh, stress whereas if i'm watching something mm. i'm so intense in that yes so this is a far better on the go medium so i think podcasts are a great future i mean that's that's where it it'll go because as the ecosystem is developing with more smartphones and um, faster bandwidth and all of that video is obviously booming but so is audio because mm. now i can you know listen to podcasts wherever i want i can uh, download it i can listen later i can do all of that so so i think so, it's extremely bright in this current ecosystem so we are living in times where everything is in surplus whether it's entertainment whether it's content whether it is crime how does one self preserve how do you self preserve interesting question because sometimes it becomes a challenge so much so after a couple of the international uh, web series i stopped watching for a long time i would only watch movies because it's over in two hours yeah otherwise you're, you're binging on the, you're on the flight and suddenly the flight is oh god i've already landed you're pausing you're waiting to get in the car start again then you're saying it's it, so addictive it's and it's it's really intensive so you you sometimes tend to behave like the characters that you're mm. that you're watching so i completely kind of detox in that sense mm. i have a small um, weekend getaway in alibag so every saturday morning i drive out or i take the ferry and i come back sunday night or i come back monday morning straight to work but those two days and fortunately there's no the network there is not very strong so those two days are complete detox so that kind of actually works uh, for me because it's too um, stressful too stressful it's too intense too involving and then you're not able to pull back and sometimes you be- begin to behave like some of the characters in the mm. in the drama because they overpower you the characters yeah. and the content so how is life looking to you at the moment what are you craving for what are you thinking for what are your dreams that are still unaccomplished what do you want to do in when you get old so so i have a theory and uh, this is not entirely an original theory but see i have about 1500 plus friends followers on social media and i realized that i don't know most of them right mm. my mind cannot i believe handle more than 100 150 people so 100 150 people if i meet i'll know who they are where they are what they are doing the rest it's yeah i mean we they connected they probably know me because i'm in the same industry or whatever but i can't keep track of more than 100 so from 1500 150 people i might recognize i might know out of that i think 30 to 40 people i'll be comfortable inviting home okay the rest of the 150 i'm not comfortable bringing you know if you don't know the person you don't want to bring them Uh, and so about 30 to 40 will be people that you'll bring home saying you know there's a function or just come come by or whatever again i'm saying 15 of those are probably 
in good times and in bad times and because over the years you have different groups of friends mm. right but i finally believe there is a group of five or six really close friends who me who mean the world uh, to you and there you can be yourself you don't have to you know watch your mood or whatever so the process is to come and identify these five. 30 and then this 15 and this 5 because that's what the world is so currently it might sound uh eclectic but point is this five friends of mine we are on this quest to taste the rarest single malts in scotland so we have identified 52 single malts from smoky to light to rich to delicate Fabulous. and we are in the quest of so every time somebody is traveling the first few were very easy to get now they're not easy to get because most most duty free don't have them and i think we have left some eight or nine so the thought is we want to five of them want to go to scotland and have it in those breweries so it's just a, just a high it's 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 a great way to spend time we kind of can discuss anything and everything under the sun and so that's that's something that kind of you know keeps me going so friends play an important part in in your right from your mentoring to your grooming to your being yourself right so i think that's a journey that i'm I've really enjoyed over the over these years. Is there anything you want to say or share that you have not got a chance to express? I get asked this question a lot of time that a lot of people who I don't let in so to speak say that you're such a calm you know this really calm demeanor and no, but you you look you come across as extremely chilled out and in fact when you joined and when the corridor conversations about you as a new boss was taking place everybody said he's so chilled out he's cool so what i want to let out now is that behind this calm demeanor i've got a really hyperactive impatient fidgety mind forever i'm thinking what can i do today how can we do this different no 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 i'm not in my head i'm not chilled at all but i have i kind of have this calm demeanor and my inspiration there is uh, ms dhoni he just he's the guy who's thinking he's the strategy without him this team cannot last for too long because but he doesn't show and a great trait of him is last ipl when um, chennai picked up the trophy he came he picked up the trophy gave it to the team and disappeared so he's not there for the celebration he's not the guy up, up front but he's the guy so i i'm completely so status quo is very boring for me and which is probably the reason that i've moved six seven jobs over the years because status quo is boring so i i get i have no energy left if you know it's business as usual so for me it's always this what's next what's new can we do this differently can we you know do something else can we launch something new so and i think it's an advantage that it is hidden behind this facade yes. so that people say okay he's chilled so don't bother yeah. <laughs> I think that's a great point and uh, on that we can end. It has been absolutely wonderful talking to you. I have learned so many things and there are many takeaways that no matter what happens in my brain, I am not going to let the rest of the world know. <laughs> I am just going to deliver it with my action and let it brew and the coffee will be wonderful. Yes. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you for tuning in. If you have liked this episode, do comment. Do rate on Apple Podcasts. Subscribe on your favorite podcast app like Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Hubhopper, Castbox, Spotify, Geo Seven, 
so that you get notified when we come next. Stay tuned for the next episode with yet another guest and until then take great care of yourself.